Democrats running for president will participate in a gay debate next week. It's unprecedented, but is it appropriate? Is it a hate crime to flush a Quran down a toilet? We'll talk about a recent incident. Should the U.S. sell arms to Saudi Arabia? Two Democrats think it's a bad idea. And we'll hear more from Harry Potter fans in England and take your calls. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Um, I'm so excited about Harry Potter. I'm queuing up, and I cannot wait. I've been obsessing all day. All right, more on Harry Potter in just a moment. But first, Mayor Jim Noggle issued a public apology on the steps of Fort Lauderdale City Hall, but it wasn't the apology the gay community was hoping for. He apologized for not being aware of the extent of the problem of men having sexual relationships with one another in the public restrooms. And he urged people to call police to complain when they come upon it. First, I want to issue an apology. I was not aware of the how serious the problem was of the sexual activity that's taking place in, in bathrooms and public places and parks around Broward County, in particular in the city of Fort Lauderdale. I've been educated on that, and I want to apologize to the children and to the parents of our community for not being aware of the problem. Okay, the homosexual agenda still being pushed forward. And, Pena, this goes all the way to presidential politics. Well, uh, yes, this is an interesting story about what's going on with Fort Lauderdale. But also next week on MTV, the Democratic presidential candidates are going to debate on issues of interest to the homosexual community. This is the first ever gay debate, and we're going to discuss this idea with our guest, Peter LaBarbera, later in the program. All right, at the half hour, don't miss that. But now, two analysts who are often critical of the administration's war policy in Iraq, are just back from the Middle East. They say President Bush's Iraq strategy is working. Michael O'Hanlon and Ken Pollack have been critics of the way the president has handled the war. Miserable, they call it. But just back from eight days in Iraq, they say we are getting somewhere. And U.S. commanders see it, says O'Hanlon. The sense of rolling up a lot of the extremist elements was really there. For the first time, they felt they had enough troops to do the job. And the other piece, the Iraqi units are, in many cases, partnering well with us. Still a problem, they say, Iraqi politicians and the Iraqi National Police. O'Hanlon was on CBS's The Early Show. Rita Foley, Washington. Okay, these two critics wrote a major op-ed saying 
This strategy, the surge strategy, seems to be working. Now, here's Admiral Mike Mullen. He's been nominated as the Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman. He says the extra America forces in Iraq are having an impact. I believe the surge is giving our operational commanders the forces they needed to execute more effective tactics and improve security. Okay, Penna, this show is about the Christian worldview. We need to be praying for kings, for all in authority, that we might live in peace and godliness, and be praying for the soldiers there who are um, trying to protect us from uh, the terrorists. And it's good to see these hopeful signs. You know, do you sense a little bit of a turn here? We've got this positive piece in the New York Times by uh, Michael O'Hanlon and Ken Pollock. Of course, they supported the war, but then they turned against it almost right away. And now they're coming back and saying we're getting somewhere in Iraq. Morale is high. Fatality rates are down. And they're sounding very hopeful. But then uh, you go to the Washington Post today and you hear a, a congressman, House Majority Whip, James Clyburn, very worried that if Petraeus, General Petraeus, comes back with a positive report, the House Democrats could split, and then we would see more support for our troops. They're worried about that. Well, yes, the mood was set, you know, a month or two ago for the September report, the September vote. And I think every it was a foregone conclusion that at that time the Democrats would try to force the president's hand, force a withdrawal. Mm-hmm. But now the news seems to be developing in a positive light. So it'll be very interesting to see if they do change based upon the facts on the ground rather than the political calculation. Uh, but we've got Chief Justice Roberts in the news. Tell us about that, Penna. Well, uh, everybody's probably heard by now that Chief Justice Roberts had a seizure. He fell as he was getting off a boat on his dock in his uh, main vacation home. And there's been a bit of an outcry why uh, more was not made of his first seizure that took place in 1993 uh, and that that wasn't brought up much in the confirmation process, although it certainly wasn't hidden. But White House Press Secretary Tony Snow says that uh, the chief justice told the administration about his earlier unexplained seizure before the president nominated him to the Supreme Court. It obviously was not something that was seen as an issue of of overwhelming concern, but it was something that the people did take a look at, and it's something that he made a point of mentioning up front to those who were doing the vetting. You can't have these seizures as isolated instances many years apart. I know with the first one, uh, Chief Justice Roberts couldn't drive for six months. He hasn't had a seizure since 1993. Tony Snow says that President Bush did speak to Chief Justice Roberts before Roberts left the hospital. He was basically inquiring about his health and how's he doing. And the Chief Justice said, I'm doing fine. Thank you for calling. It was a brief conversation, but one where uh, the Chief Justice reassured the president that, that, in fact, he was doing fine. Of course, the Supreme Court issued a statement saying that he'd fully recovered. I felt like that's a little bit quick to say that, but uh, we are certainly happy that Chief Justice Roberts is out of the hospital and uh, doing well. Okay, well, now we're back to Harry Potter for just a few minutes. We had a lot of callers yesterday that didn't get through, some emails that we didn't get to read. And let's go to God's Word first. Exodus 22, we're going to read new scriptures today. We're going to hear new Live, or not live, but uh, exclusive audio from Oxford, England, from the release of the Harry Potter book. And we're going to take your calls and your questions for about 15, 20 minutes here. Exodus 22. This is a very serious subject because it says in verse 18, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And so in the Old Testament, here's another verse just saying, Look, we take witchcraft very seriously as the people of God. And we see this is connected, I mean, at all levels. Here is Barack Obama's wife today saying that Senator Barack Obama is the, quote, 
Harry Potter parent. That is, Michelle Obama says her husband has read all six books about this wizardry to the children there in the family. And somehow in the midst of all this campaigning, she's not sure if he's going to be able to read this latest book. But uh, he probably will. He'll probably try that. And there are a lot of Christians who say, uh, you know, that we should avoid this, that we should not allow our children to read it. There are others who say this is just entertainment. It's innocent penna. But we uh, were at Oxford, England just two weeks ago, week and a half ago, on the eve of the release of the latest Harry Potter book. And Joel Patrick, one of our Criswell College students, went out to the line of uh, eager enthusiasts who were buying this book to ask them why they were there, what they thought about Harry Potter and eternal life. Here we go. And tell me, what was your favorite part of the whole series? Dumbledore's Army, I reckon, in the last film. Dumbledore's Army in the last film? When Hagrid in the... um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Not the Sorcerer's Stone, the Philosopher's Stone. Okay. Um, Yeah, when he comes and tells him he's a wizard, that's priceless. Okay, okay. And what would you say would happen if Luke Skywalker and Harry Potter had to get in a fight? Harry Potter would win. Absolutely. Why? Every time. Why? Because it's Harry Potter and he's hopefully invincible. <laughs> he's invincible, okay. And let me ask you this. Do you believe in magic? No, I'm, no, I'm not stupid. I don't believe in magic. It's just a lovely like, story, isn't it? Okay. I believe in the magic of alcohol, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of alcohol, okay. And do you believe that there's an afterlife? Yeah. Why not? No. No. What do you think will happen when you die? I think I'll be gone. Okay, and you? I don't know, it'll just be pretty good. I, I possibly <laughs> believe in reincarnation, or like, you know, like, however many lives you have. Sometimes you have, like, deja vu, I think that's like, flashback kind of thing, if you know what I mean, but it's a bit stupid, really. All right, what do you think, folks, out there about the Harry Potter phenomenon? Those are interviews that uh, occurred on the eve of the release of the book over in Oxford, England. And we want to know your opinion. The number is 800-881-9270. We have someone yesterday who emailed in who said, Thank you for addressing this phenomenon. I believe the occult can be so fascinating to most young people. And they've been exposed to the occult in these books. We must be very careful what we allow into our minds and to those of our children. They go on to compare this to Dungeons and Dragons. What do you think about that? Is that extreme? Is that a balanced view? Is this just innocent, old-fashioned, good entertainment? We've got people already on the line. Let's go to Michael on the line from Dallas. Michael, thank you for calling. What do you think? Hi, uh, Will. I just wanted to kind of chime in. I I didn't get to hear the program yesterday, but... It was, uh, I'd re- I, I guess I'm no expert, but I did read a book about this one time. And you can't call Harry Potter fiction entirely because they use a lot of real wizard names. There's references to real alchemists in the movies and in the books. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd be careful about uh, observing the guys that, that that might be coming in under. I, I know it seems harmless entertainment, but there's some real things working there. You know, there's also uh, a bit of a dispute about the fact uh, of uh, uh, J.K. Rowling, J.K. Rowling, who wrote the book, whether or not uh, all the sorcery and the magic and the witchcraft in the book is just what she made up out of her head, or if there's some real foundation and if she has a real knowledge of this. And I've talked to experts who say she does. And some of this is based on the real practices. And in a sense... 
you can't just say it's just fantasy. It's just fiction. It is fiction, but it's fiction on based on uh, based on real phenomenon, and that's what we worry. At least I worry about Christian kids getting involved with. All right. Yesterday we looked at Galatians chapter five, which lists the works of the flesh. One of those being witchcraft or sorcery. We know the Old Testament, the New Testament is against that. But is that really what's going on with these books and with these movies? We need to know if um, this is just innocent entertainment or if this is something Christians should avoid or actually forbid in their homes. we got John on the line from Louisville. John, thank you for calling. What's your view, John? Well, thank you for having me. Um, I wanted to call in and say something somebody said yesterday, so I wanted to add to what they said. They said that um, what's the difference if it, 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 it's all in what you uh, make of it, um, comparing the Harry Potter against the Chronicles of Narnia, but uh, my comment is, um, you know, trash in, trash out. It's, you know, the Bible says what's in the heart is uh, what will come out of your mouth. So what you take in will come out. And, you know, a little magic uh, trick is sleight of hand. And the, uh, I think the enemy has got a little sleight of hand getting to um, us um, as, as the, uh, the people and these kids. It's sort of a slick way to bring evil into our culture. I believe so. Well, thank you, John, for calling, folks. What do you think? Harry Potter, is this a dangerous wedge in the door, foot in the door for the occult in your home, for your children? Or is this just, again, um, kind of Wizard of Oz, Snow White, witchcraft, um, or even a C.S. Lewis or Tolkien version? I mean, these men included in their Christian allegories, witches, wizards, uh, what's the same about that kind of work in Harry Potter. What's different? Let's compare. Let's contrast. Let's take your calls, 800-881-9270. Let's go back to our interviews in Oxford. And uh, here we are with our next interview. And I'm here with? Dana. From? Um, Virginia, the States. And what are you doing here? Um, getting Harry Potter book. And let me ask you a question. What would you do if Harry died in this last novel? I think I'd go cry. You'd might, go cry? Yeah. Do you think that Hagrid needs to shave his beard? No. It's sexy. Oh, Hagrid's beard is sexy. Okay. If Dumbledore had to fight Darth Vader, who would win? Dumbledore. Because? He's an old man. And old men beat up? Darth Vader. Okay. And if Luke Skywalker had to fight Harry Potter, who would win? Harry Potter. Because why? Long live Harry Potter. Do you believe that magic is real? Of course. Why not? Do you believe in an afterlife? Yeah, I think so. And what do you think will happen when you die? Um, I'm not sure. I'll be reincarnated. Harry Potter, Jesus Christ. We'll talk about both when we come back. It's Jerry Johnson Live with Penedexter. Generations of ministry leaders have one common point, a ministry education from the Criswell College in Dallas. To date, ministry leaders from the Criswell College are in service all over the world. With the fall term just around the corner, your education can follow this same distinguished path. An education from Criswell is grounded on the Christian worldview, witness, and God's Word, the Bible. The Word and Worldview focus of Criswell gives you a more effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ and prepares you for kingdom service. The fall semester registration is August 15th, 16th, and 17th. Classes begin August 20th. See Chriswell.edu for details on classes and the Master of Arts in Christian Leadership degree. Chriswell students are ready for the challenges of today's ministry environment. 
Classes in evangelism, missions, preaching, communications, all are fully accredited and small class sizes point the focus to your success. Find out more at 800-899-0012 and on the web at chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. MTV is sponsoring a homosexual presidential debate. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But first, we're back to Harry Potter. Is this something Christian families should avoid? Or is this innocent, good old-fashioned, thrilling entertainment? We're taking your calls and your comments, 800-881-9270. we got Stephanie on the line from Hearst. Stephanie, thank you for calling and holding. What's your view? Well, I just want to say that um, it deeply burdens me that Christians are so deceived. I myself used to be a Wiccan witch. I am now a Christian, praise God. Yes. Uh, And I can tell you, this sort of thing is very, very real. This is not to be taken lightly. This is not entertainment. Um, I've never read the books. I did watch the first film because I wanted to see how in-depth of witchcraft it was, and it is so accurate. Um, I have heard from reliable sources that J.K. Rowling is a Wiccan herself. Um, I think that she has great knowledge, and uh, I just want to say that uh, this is not entertainment. Um, I would say the same thing probably about The Lord of the Rings. I don't feel that that is entertainment. It does not glorify God. It does not honor God. It is not pure, innocent entertainment. Okay, Stephanie, mm-hmm. would you see a difference between uh, Tolkien... Um, Writing with kinds of uh, Christian allegory or symbolism, and uh, J.K. Rowling uh, not really introducing any of that kind of typology. Right. Well, my concern uh, with Lord of the Rings is it does involve some form of witchcraft. It does involve goblins and that sort of thing, demonic beings. Um, you know, even you guys had mentioned with the Chronicles of Narnia, I grew up reading those books. But I grew up as a non-believer and had no idea mm. that there was any Christian mm. biblical lateralist to that whatsoever. Um, you know, as a believer, and you see the biblical sense, maybe it's a little bit more safer. But my concern is, you know, if you're an unbeliever, you're not familiar with the Bible, what you're seeing is the witchcraft or the dark side of it. Mm. Stephanie, would you say you're drawn into witchcraft through some of uh, certain literature? Oh, absolutely. Really? In fact, um, Chronicles of Narnia is what really started to draw my interest. I've read all the books. Um, and like I said, I grew up, I was not a believer. And uh, it, it really drew my interest, just like you said. It made me very curious about the topic and the subject. Hmm. Hey, thank you, Stephanie. You know, I would say, um, in fact, anything that would have witchcraft in it for young youngsters without guidance, without parental um, exhortation without biblical insight, you know, could tend to that, a fascination, uh, an obsession, and a seeking of it. But I would say there is a difference between the witches in Narnia and even the witchcraft in in the rings, the Lord of the Rings, in that, in the main, the witches are bad, the sorcerers are bad. And, um, and, and the main characters, for instance, in Narnia are human. They're human characters. And uh, they're not engaging in that witchcraft for the victory. 
but in Potter, I mean, the main theme is that these humans are also witches and warlocks and wizards, and they're they're using these um, these tactics um, to get back and to uh, get even and to strike back. Well, in Harry Potter, the uh, the uh, protagonist is a witch, Harry Potter, and his friends, and so there's a good evil and a bad evil. And another part of this is that the humans that are not involved in these um, magical arts are the muggles, and they are really portrayed as the bad guys mm. in the Harry Potter phenomenon. Bobby on the line from Dallas, thank you for calling. Bobby, what's your view? Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I was listening to the program on yesterday, and it really surprised me how uh, uh, accepting and compromising we as Christians have, be- have become. And, I mean, I, we hear you reading these scriptures concerning witchcraft, sorcery, and the things that God says we are not to accept. But, on the other hand, we accept these things and call them entertainment. And as the young lady just said, this is, this, is, this is not a joke. The enemy is not going to come at us with horns and a pitchfork. He's going to come as an angel of light and, and so that we can accept it, so we, so we can look at it as entertainment. And then our children are uh, exposed to this. And like I say, the curiosity of a child is going to make them want to uh, uh, know more and more about this, and and then and like uh, and like you said on yesterday, they've got websites set up to whereas they will get deeper, deeper into this witchcraft and into this darkness, and to hear Christians accepting it as entertainment is just unbelievable. Thank you so much for calling. You're right; the scriptures are packed with warnings about this. I go to another scripture, Leviticus 19, verse 26: Neither shall you use enchantment. Uh, nor observe times. I go to Isaiah uh, 2, which says that uh, the house of Jacob was thrown out of the land because they are soothsayers like the Philistines. And so anytime you see witchcraft, um, wizardry, witchcraft mentioned in the Bible, it's always negative. It's always something we are to avoid. Well, let's go back to Oxford, England. Let's get one of our li- one of our exclusive interviews there from the Release of the book, These Are People Waiting in the Line to Buy the Harry Potter Book. I like to call myself a number one fan, but I didn't even dress up. And now what are you doing here? Um, well, I would have come to get the next Harry Potter book, but actually I came to get my friends because I'm working in the morning. Let me ask you a few questions about Harry Potter. And what do you think about Hagrid's beard? Should he shave it or keep it? Keep it. He's a giant. He's got to have a beard because else he's got nothing to him. He'll just be like, grow up and really ugly and stuff. Okay. Do you believe in magic? Do you believe in magic? No. And do you believe in an afterlife? No. And what do you believe will happen when you die? Nothing. We die. My body stops working and my mind stops working and nothing happens. We die. Nothing happens. Oh, that's very sad. This show is about the Christian worldview. And in just a moment, we're going to talk about the Christian message of life after death. But, Penna, we're getting some emails, too. What do you see out there? Well, we've got one. I've got to say I agree with Bobby that I've been a little shocked at uh, the way Christians uh, have criticized those who criticize Harry Potter and said, you know, it's just uh, innocuous entertainment in a sense. Today we're hearing from some who uh, see problems with it. But uh, one email we got says, anyone who tells their kids about Santa is teaching magic. So none of these people have a right to criticize Harry until they remove 
the log in their eye. So basically, I think this person is saying uh, we shouldn't have anything to do with anything that isn't true, Santa or Harry Potter. Then another uh, is saying, I just wanted to say that Harry Potter represents another aspect that Jesus talked about in Mark 3, 20 to 30. If a house is divided against itself, it will not stand. They may all be wizards, but they cannot fight evil with evil. It isn't possible. And that goes back to what I was saying is that there's good evil and bad evil in a sense in Harry Potter, worse evil and better evil. And uh, it's still evil. Uh, This emailer says, by the way, my kids will not be reading the books or seeing the movies. Okay. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 8, And when they say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep, and that muttered, Should not a people seek unto their God, for the living, to the dead, to the law, and to the testimony? If they speak not according to his word, it's because there's no light in them. And, of course, the comparison there is between the word of God and the word of a witch, or a sorcerer, or a soothsayer. We're talking about Harry Potter. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College with Pennedexter. Do you think that Christians should allow their children to read these books? Or do you think this is uh, um, forbidden material? This is dangerous material and that we should prohibit our children from looking at this material. We've got Kim on the line from, or Debbie on the line from Dallas. Debbie, thank you for calling. What's your view? Uh, let's go to Michael. Michael, you're on the line. Michael, what's your thought? Yes, sir. I was. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, on the situation with the Harry Potter and the witchcraft and all all of it together, I'm a very strong Christian myself. Uh, amen. And you know, back whenever I was in school, I mean, I got into the the Wiccan and the pagan and all the other stuff. And to me, it's a bunch of baloney as far as all the witchcraft. I mean, it, there's really no such thing at all. I mean, it's something that people have in their head. and So you were into something that, that really wasn't real. Right. I mean, it, it hmm. absolutely wasn't real. I mean, it, pretty much it was just a, all just a big game. And as far as Harry Potter goes, I mean, as long as you have a good Christian foundation in your family and have a good godly structure in your household, then, I mean, letting your kids watch Harry Potter or read the books, as long as you make sure that they understand that it is fake, it is not real, it could not happen in real life, and and just show them the warnings that, you know, the devil does try to, to get into people's minds through stuff like that, but as long as you have good Christian values and, and a good godly-based household and you teach your kids the right way, then I don't see there's any problem at all. All right, thank you so much for that call, Michael. But in fact, I want to say actually... We saw yesterday in the book of Exodus that witchcraft is real, sorcery is real, um, supernatural magic is real. When Moses performed some of those um, signs from God for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians, uh, Pharaoh had his magicians mimic some of those uh, miracles. They couldn't mimic all the miracles, but uh, it was a reality, and uh, Satan has a kind of a supernatural power. The dark side uh, has power, wonder-working kind of a power, but not the power of God. One of the sad things, though, in these interviews is people not knowing there's an afterlife, not knowing what would happen uh, when they die. Well, the Bible speaks to that. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again that we might have eternal life, that we might live forever in God's presence with our sins forgiven, 
cleansed, washed, that we might be new kind of people adopted into God's family and know His purpose for our life here and now and have that for eternity, a life together with Him and with others that we love that know Him. And we hope that you have come to Jesus. And if you haven't, to do that today. When we come back, a homosexual presidential debate on MTV. Let's talk about it. This is Jerry Johnson Live, Criswell College. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. First, I want an issue an apology. I was not aware of the how serious the problem was of the sexual activity that's taking place in, in bathrooms and public places and parks around Broward County, in particular in the city of Fort Lauderdale. I've been educated on that, and I want to apologize to the children and to the parents of our community for not being aware of the problem. That is Fort Lauderdale Mayor Jim Noggle, and he's under attack from homosexual groups. Uh, they want an apology because he's protecting families from seeing or encountering homosexual activity in public places. Very inter- uh, interesting. And with us to talk about it is Peter LaBarbera. He is president and founder of Americans for Truth. And Peter, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me, Penna. Tell us about what is happening in Fort Lauderdale, where this mayor is taking a principal stand. Well, this is a fascinating story, Penna and uh, Dr. Johnson. It's, it's really something to see a, a man, a Christian man, actually stand up for what he believes in. There is a network of uh, so-called public sex all across the nation. Um, this is, these are, uh, it's a homosexual network where they actually put up on websites areas, um, including many public areas, for example, public rest stops, public rest bathrooms, and even bathrooms in department stores, where men are engaging in these homosexual perversions with other men. Uh, there are secret locations, but there's a network known, and it's advertised on websites. Well, uh, lo and behold, he decided to crack down on the public activity that was going on in Fort Lauderdale. For example, one of the things he, he wanted to do was create robo-bathrooms uh, so that there would be a limited amount of time people could spend in the stalls. Now, I'm sorry for the subject matter, but wow. it's really sad, sad that we have to do this. But the fact is, is that when you let homosexuality out of the closet, um, these kind of activities grow. And that's what we've seen in the last de- few decades in this nation. Well, it's pretty sad, and I'm glad to see this mayor. He actually was uh, apologizing, but not to the homosexuals. He was apologizing to families for not doing more beforehand. Uh, But, Peter, I mean, this is so disgusting that when you move toward the idea that next week there's going to be a debate between the Democrat presidential candidates about these issues of the advancing gay agenda, it's sort of mainstreaming this stuff. It's pretty sad, isn't it? Yes, it is, Penna. Um, When we've come to the point where one of our political parties actually feels the need to pander to such a degree that they hold the debate specifically around pro-homosexual issues, two of the panelists uh, asking the questions are homosexual activists. One is a mainstream so-called journalist, I can't remember which one, and then another is a homosexual mainstream journalist. And so there's no questions coming from our perspective. So, you know, what about the tens of millions of people who have a moral objection to homosexual behavior? They're completely boxed out of this particular so-called debate. Uh, Peter, this is Jerry Johnson here. Welcome uh, to the program. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that all of the Democrat candidates will show up to this debate 
Uh, do you believe that the Republicans will be invited or would accept such a debate? Well, good questions, uh, Jerry. It's uh, So far, all of the major candidates are coming, and I believe we will see them pander further and further until sooner or later all of the... Uh, I hope this doesn't come true, but I fear that most major Democratic candidates in the future will be embracing so-called gay marriage. But uh, I don't know what the Republican response would be. We see Republicans now moving in a very politically correct direction on the homosexual issue. Some are still standing strong, but many others are finding ways to compromise, including the marriage movement. There are now increasingly people who are saying, well, we need to, to not call it marriage, but we will allow for government entities which are effectively homosexual so-called marriage by another name, whether you call it a civil union or a domestic partnership. And people are looking for a compromise which is actually a radical advance of the gay agenda. Peter LaBarbera is with us. Uh, Peter is with Americans for Truth. And Peter, you've long watched the homosexual agenda, and you just said something very disturbing, and that is you just see that agenda basically advancing in the acceptance of things like uh, gay marriage. Uh, that'll be probably there and uh, with us for a while. But, you know, part of it, Peter, is the terminology. And when I see the homosexual activists using words like marriage equality, uh, the word gay is lost, but marriage equality, to me, uh, it what it does, or, or employment non-discrimination, the yeah. name of a bill. I mean, they're starting to co-opt the language, and I think that's why you see Republicans afraid to stand up against this. Well, I agree with everything you said, Penna, except the word starting. They've been co-opting the language for decades. In fact, the word gay itself is masterful, because the, what does the word gay connote? It, it sounds like a, a trait. There are black couples, there are um, Hispanic couples, there are gay couples. It's an innocuous trait. We're actually, we're talking about um, very dangerous behavior that is immoral, that is an anathema to a holy God, and people defining themselves according to that behavior. Well, of course, the whole emphasis is off behavior, and that's where they, they move forward. We're calling attention to this public sex activity because it reminds people what we're talking about. We're talking about antisocial, unbiblical, sinful behavior, which thankfully can be changed, and we're always reminding people that, that unlike race and immutable categories, the category of homosexuality is uh, people can change, and people who once considered themselves happy, homosexuals, proud, quote, gays and lesbians, have now left that lifestyle, most of them through uh, the grace of God and Jesus Christ. All right, folks, what do you think of this idea of a gay debate, a homosexual debate, a presidential debate on MTV August 9? Uh, Peter, final question I want to ask you. Uh, if we have the Christian worldview that this is a sinful behavior, a sinful lifestyle, um, what would we think of an alcoholic's debate or a pedophile's debate or a liar's debate or a gambler's debate? Um, isn't this really an unusual way to frame uh, a venue for a debate? Uh, absolutely, Jerry. And it comes back to what Penna said. They've succeeded in redefining this, and they've created sort of a niche for themselves as a special interest and I think we as Christians and just as conservatives and people who care about this country need to bring this back to the behavior. I know a woman uh, named Carolyn Groff whose son Russell died at age 26 of HIV AIDS. He got involved in a homosexual relationship. There's nothing gay about that. He's now dead and, and hopefully through a miracle of God he's with the Lord but we don't know where he is but it's the behavior we're talking about. It can be changed and it often is very destructive. Peter LaBarbera, thank you so much for being with us. We hope to have you back. Sure. Can I give the website out? Absolutely. Do it. Sure. We are Americans for Truth, all written out, americansfortruth.org. And you can read all about the MTV debate 
uh, if you go to that website. Thanks so much. Folks, the number is 800-881-9270. If you want to comment on this, 800-881-9270. And I think the real question is this. If the Democrat candidates are willing to go and to participate in this homosexual debate, uh, I don't think we really have to wonder whether or not they're going to support the homosexual agenda, support the notion of homosexual marriage, support the idea of special rights for homosexuals. And I think it's a very strange thing. Of course, this show is about the Christian worldview. And um, I want to just talk about that for a minute, because a lot of times people just pick a verse out of Leviticus when they want to talk about homosexuality. Certainly we know that Leviticus says it's an abomination to the Lord, but it goes back before that, before the law. It goes back to creation. It goes back to Genesis 1. We know there's a prima facie argument against this lifestyle because God, when he created Adam and Eve in his image, created them male and female. That was part of them being created in God's image. God's good order for human sexuality was male-female sexual relations, not male-male or female-female. We also know as we go through the book of Genesis that the first time you see this occurring, it results in judgment. So we're not even to the law yet in Leviticus. But you see, in Genesis chapter 19, the Lord reigning on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, we're told in Second Peter, we're told in Jude, that this is because of their sexual perversion, their homosexuality. But in fact, it is a violation also of Old Testament law. By the time the law came, Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20 says that this is an abomination. And then you go to the New Testament. Clearly, 1 Timothy 1, Paul is talking about the, the Old Testament law, and uh, he says um, that it concludes this category of behavior under the, the rubric of, quote, sinners. That is, he, he discusses two words here about homosexuality, the, uh, the, the, the male role in the homosexual relationship and the, quote, female role. He actually gets very specific about this um, dominant and mm-hmm. submissive pattern in partner. I've always thought that was interesting, Pena, that uh, whether it's lesbians or male homosexuals, one of them mirrors the masculine role in the relationship, the other one, the feminine. Even in that perversion and in that sin, relationship. they have to mirror uh, the biblical model. But one of the great things that you see in the New Testament, Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 6, such were some of you. And he mentions homosexuals. But then he says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so the good news is this, that while this is a sinful behavior that results in the judgment of God, and society should not condone it or recognize it, the good news is this, God forgives through the blood of Jesus Christ. If a person believes that Christ died for their sins and rose again, no matter what their sin, homosexual, uh, adultery, um, thief, thievery, um, lying, whatever it might be, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. And not only is there forgiveness cleansing there's change. There's change through the blood. There's change through the resurrection of Christ, change through the Spirit of God. And our message as a church should not be accommodation or compromise, and uh, not political accommodation or compromise on this issue. We should not give a forum to a category of sin for a presidential debate. But our message as a church should be that there is redemption, there is forgiveness, there is change, there is cleansing through Jesus Christ. 
Well, we have a caller on this issue about MTV. What is their agenda in hosting this debate? We'll talk about that when we come back. Also, a university student puts two Korans, the book of Koran, the Muslim book, the Muslim, quote, holy book, in the toilet. Guess what? He was arrested and could be sent to prison for a hate crime. What do you think of that? The number is 800-881-9270. We'll talk about that story also when we come back. Generations of ministry leaders have one common point, a ministry education from the Criswell College in Dallas. To date, ministry leaders from the Criswell College are in service all over the world. With the fall term just around the corner, your education can follow this same distinguished path. An education from Criswell is grounded on the Christian worldview, witness, and God's Word, the Bible. The Word and Worldview focus of Criswell gives you a more effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ and prepares you for kingdom service. The fall semester registration is August 15th, 16th, and 17th. Classes begin August 20th. See Criswell.edu for details on classes and the Master of Arts in Christian Leadership degree. Criswell students are ready for the challenges of today's ministry environment. Classes in evangelism, missions, preaching, communications, all are fully accredited and small class sizes point the focus to your success. Find out more at 800-899-0012 and on the web at Criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. How would you like to see a presidential debate sponsored by the abortionist, a Planned Parenthood presidential debate? How would you like to see a presidential debate sponsored by the illegal immigration advocates, a La Raza kind of a debate? How would you like to see a pro-drug legalization presidential debate? Well, we've got something like this. We have a homosexual debate coming up on MTV. That is their network logo. They own this network. They are sponsoring a Democrat presidential debate on August 9 in Los Angeles. Not a surprise there, maybe. But in any case, here it is. What do you think of it? We've got a caller on the line. Charles from Fort Worth. Charles, what do you think? Well, two things. Uh, it looks like to me, number one is they have an agenda, of course, putting some of the candidates on the spot publicly. And then number two, uh, whether they actually win the debate or whether they influence that many candidates or not, they're putting it on MTV, and the majority of people that watch MTV are young people. Uh, they're trying to, even if they're not of voting age, they are targeting young people to influence their thinking. And, and Charles, I think, I think you're right. There's a that's, legit- probably, that's probably the most act, actual, that's actual, actually to me, there's no danger of me watching MTV. But to me, that's the most, that's the most heinous part about it, is that they're, they're targeting the young people of America. Uh, thank you, Charles, for that. You know, Penn, I wonder sometimes if, if, the main goal here is to legitimize something with the younger generation because, you know, polls on traditional marriage uh, are strong 40, 50s and above. But below the age of 40, um, already younger people, teenagers, uh, people in 20-somethings, 30-somethings, uh, they're for so-called homosexual marriage. And uh, this kind of a format is just going to reinforce 
uh, that belief, I think. Well, there's one lie that they already believe, and you addressed it in the last segment when you were talking about what Scripture says about this, and that is most uh, young people think that it's genetic. They think that homosexuals are born that way and they can't change, but God says such were some of you, and it can be changed. There is power to change. It's hard. Some people say who have left the lifestyle, it's not easy. You can rely on the Holy Spirit. You can change. What I think, I think he's also right, though, in saying that uh, the goal here is to get these candidates on record on various issues. Same-sex marriage, repealing don't ask, don't tell in the military. Uh, the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, which is a good name, for bad policy that really restricts the rights of employers to hire who they want to. Uh, marriage equality, as I said, uh, hate crimes, and of course, HIV AIDS issues and funding issues. And so some of this is going to sound, if, as we oppose it, we're going to sound, quote unquote, homophobic and intolerant. And I think that's part of the goal of this. All right. We've got Alan on the line from Arlington. Alan, thank you for calling. What's your view? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Jesus said that before he returns, it'll be just like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. It sounds to me like we're just about there. Well, thank you, Alan. You know, the uh, certainly the Bible talks about the increase of uh, all kinds of sinful behavior toward the end. Not only Jesus, Paul talked about this, John talked about this, all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we know in many ways things are going to be getting worse. I guess the good news is this, where sin abounds, grace can much more abound, and that is it's an opportunity for us to share the gospel and to tell people about Christ and to tell people that they can be changed. They don't need to be seeking legitimacy. They need to be seeking a change, a change of heart, a change of lifestyle, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring that kind of change. As people come into the kingdom of God, their life is changed. Well, let's move on to the next story, and that is just a brief note about a Pace University student who flushed two Korans down a campus toilet. Now, Penna, I don't know if you can really flush any book down a toilet without jamming it up and stopping it up. probably not a good idea. And as I understand it, this guy uh, certainly should be penalized for clogging up a campus toilet. And I understand maybe that one or both of these Korans were university property. Maybe they came from the library. So he should be in trouble for stealing. So he should be in trouble for that. But what is troubling me is I'm hearing calls that this man be prosecuted on hate crimes legislation. He could be sent to prison. And um, that is very troubling to me that uh, you can burn an American flag, but you cannot flush uh, a Koran down a toilet. You can put the cross of Christ in a jar of urine and call it art. Not just that it's allowed, but it's called art. Not just that it's art, but it could be subsidized by the federal government in uh, the arts budget. But you cannot uh, destroy a Koran, burn a Koran, flush one down the toilet without being charged with a hate crimes, a a felony, a prison sentence may await this man uh, for what he did. Well, you know, we're talking about hate crimes legislation, and this is another example. The penalties are drastically increased because of the motivation, the thoughts of the perpetrator. Uh, the crime would be punished because of the actual crime, which whether it be stealing the Korans or, you know, maybe somebody uh, isn't too happy about their toilet being stopped up. But because of the motivation, because you disagree with either a lifestyle or a religion, 
you are sent to prison, you get a much greater enhanced penalty. That's what we're looking at here. And it's just another good picture, I think, of why we don't need this hate crimes legislation that's wending its way through Congress. All right. We've got Bob on the line from Terrell. Bob, what do you think about this Koran story? Yes, Dr. Johnson. What it had happened, they were trying to show the, uh, the movie Obsession. And uh, some of the Muslim students uh, didn't want that show, so they started uh, persecuting some of the Jewish students. They had uh, painted the the uh, all the um, the uh, swastikas on some of the uh, buildings at the uh, at the universities, and uh, they persecuted this one uh, Jewish student uh, tremendously, and he had enough of it, so he uh, went and tried to flush the Koran in the toilet. So. Uh, I've called Senator Harry Reid, and I've called many uh, senators and uh, uh, representatives today, and I said... Uh, hey, we got to go, Bob. We're almost out of time, but let's look more into this story. We'll take more, maybe, of your comments later, Bob. But uh, let's follow. There's probably more to this story than meets the eye, but it sounds to me, um, you know, the American idea is this, Penna, that uh, a person has the right to uh, be Hindu, has the right to be Jewish, has the right to be Christian, has the right to be Muslim, but they, in America, you have the right to believe what you Mm -hmm. want to believe, but uh, it does not mean that uh, you have a right not to be made fun of, a right not to be um, critiqued, a right not to be refuted. And uh, I think if you're a real Hindu, you won't believe that Islam is true, a real Christian will not believe that Islam is true. A real Jewish person will not believe that Hinduism is true. Of course, this show is about the Christian worldview, and we know that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, Islam is a false religion. The Koran is a bogus book. And Muhammad is a false prophet. We say that because uh, we have the free marketplace of ideas here in America. And we say that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. It's Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College with Penn Dexter. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.